Step out into the open air and claim your freedom waiting there. Hello everybody and welcome back to Coffee in the Corral. I'm Abigail Hobbs. This is Zell. She's my right hand man today. Aren't you Bert? Huh. Zell has a lot of different nicknames. Her actual name is Zelenka Breeze. But um, she's Zell, she's Zellbert, she's Bert. She's, she's a lot of things because she's super cute. She's also muddy. So take a look at this cheekbone here. <laughs> I don't know if you can see it. Covered in mud. If you notice the corral that I'm in right now, it's very muddy. We just had a super rainy weekend. And uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say we've had enough moisture because it's no longer going into the ground very well. Um, we had a drought this year and you know when it first started raining like it just the ground soaked everything up. Now it's to the point where it's like yeah yeah <laughs> we're good we're good. So anyways the horses um, are enjoying a lot of muddy naps. So they lay down and they roll in the mud and they specifically like rub their face in the mud and just get covered in mud. I think I've told you guys before, it helps horses, um, protects them from bugs biting them and stuff like that. So it's their natural instinct to get muddy and stay muddy. Um, it's like wearing clothes, right? <laughs> um, to protect their, their sensitive skin. So anyways, even though I groom them, the first thing they do is come back in the crown and roll and get as dirty as they were. Like it's sick. It makes me so frustrated sometimes. Hi baby, she licking my hands. Because I'll spend all this time to groom them, get them all pretty and, and just clean. And I turn them out and the first thing they do within 10 seconds, they lay down and roll. It's just, there's no way. There's no way to keep them from doing it unless I kept them in stalls and that would be terrible. They would not wait that, huh? So anyways, grooming's good for them. It's good for bonding, relationships. It's also good to check for injuries and all that stuff. And to get their itchies, like Zell right now is rubbing her ear on my hand because she got an itchy ear. She was trying to itch it on my chair here. So it's a good time for that. And I just remind myself that, you know what? It's okay. Even if they were clean for 30 minutes, it was a good time together, right? And I think they really, um, it does help with bonding. You know, they feel cared for, so. All right, you muddy, itchy horse, you. Hey, everybody, thanks for coming back. Um, I can't say good morning because it's the afternoon. <clears throat> I'm recording this afternoon, which I do not usually do, um, but my girls came down yesterday with fevers again. So we had this whole horrific flu for two weeks. I missed a week of podcasting because I got really sick. Um, I'm slowly recovering, but I still have like a cough and congestion a little bit. But um, we were like really on the uphill as far as recovery. And then my girls came down with fevers. I don't know. I don't understand. Only thing I can think of is that because this is their first time ever being in public school. Um, hello. That they're catching a bunch of sicknesses that they haven't been exposed to ever in their life. So I guess they're just getting them all at the same time. I don't know. It's frustrating because they miss school and then they get like penalized 
for missing a day of school, even though it's not their fault. It's just ridiculous. I'm like, ugh, this is what I do love about homeschooling. This is what makes me frustrated about the public school system. Um, because even if they're homesick, like they don't count it as sick days. They just count it as an absence. So that part of it's really frustrating because we don't want to miss school. And it makes my, my girls are like, can I go anyways when I have a fever? I'm like, no, you can't. You're not supposed to go with a fever. Nobody is. Some people probably are. That's probably what's getting my kids sick. But... I'm trying to follow the rules, whatever. And I want my girls to be well and feel good at school. I don't want them going sick. So that's frustrating. So it took me a while to get out this today um, in between caring for my, my sick girls. But uh, I don't know. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping I don't catch it because it was the devil. And I hope this is not a return of the devil. Okay. Enough about sicknesses, which is interesting to me because... Um, I didn't plan it this way, I promise, but I, <laughs> I wanted to talk about healing this week. Funny that that's the subject I wanted to talk about because when I planned to talk about that, it was before my girls got sick. So whatever. The universe was like, okay, so in order to really make this um, something that you can apply, applicable, <laughs> how about your girls be sick and then you can talk about healing and how much it sucks so here we are today and uh, our subject is healing is complicated and it sucks okay so what are you doing she's like rubbing herself all over me I think she's missed me have you missed your mama yes yes so last week you guys I got a phone call. Um, it was actually, yeah, it was just a week ago. Exactly. I got a phone call from Gary Bandy. He is a, um, I guess it's called a news anchor. I don't know exactly. Anyways, everyone in the community knows him. He's been on KSN News. Um, doing, he, I guess he was a weather forecast man at one point. He's done a lot of different things for them, but he's been doing living well for a long time. Um, and he does what shall be. And the two of them are an awesome duo. Anyways, he called me on Monday and asked if I would come do an interview about what it means to be a life coach and share my story. So I went on KSN a year ago and told my story. And so that's how Gary Bandy knew me. He actually met me at Building Bridges and he heard my story there. It was the first, the very first group of people that I went and shared my story with publicly. He happened to be there because he volunteers for that program and um, asked me to come on. So I went on a year ago, like I said, and I shared my story. And there was pictures of my past and kind of just shared my story of getting out of the cult and finding out about the trauma with my dad and then kind of um, that whole process. So um, he called me back and was like, hey, we loved having you. You were amazing. Can you come on and talk about being a life coach? Because he knew that I started my nonprofit, Freedom for the Taking, and that was part of it. But when he asked me about that, I was like, um, are you, I mean, yes, I can be. You know, like, he's like, how's it going? How's your business going? I'm like, it's been slow, honestly. We've been sick, and the whole family's been sick. And he's like, are you feeling better? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting better. But... In my mind, I'm like, oh, I just, I don't feel like I'm the right person. Like, <laughs> I've been doing very much life coaching. Uh, the whole last year has been really slow for Freedom for the Taking and uh, discouraging. And so he's like, can you come on and talk about this? And you, we just think you're amazing and you'd be perfect. And I said, I mean, I think there's other people that would be better. Like, I'm not a professional at this. And, and I, 
I'm not that much of a professional anyways. And he said, you're lying to me. You are so good. You are so good. We really enjoyed having you on. We've been looking for a reason to have you come back. And anyway, so I said, I'm, I'd be happy to. I'll, I'll be happy to. But I got off the phone and I started having instant, um, what's it called? Um, imposter syndrome. Like, I'm not the person for this. Like, my business has been so slow this past year. I don't, I've done some things, but I've nothing what I imagined it to be. Okay, so like, I'm just feeling like I'm not successful. Why are you asking me? Go go find a successful life coach. It's like got 10, 20 years under their belt and they've got like all these amazing success stories and stuff. But like, why are you asking me? So I ended up calling my mentor, Raina, and uh, just saying, hey, I'm struggling. I'm having imposter syndrome. I need help. She was amazing. She really helped me. And she just reminded me that like, it's not about exchanging of money that makes me successful, um, but it's about just all of my years of experience of helping people and walking alongside people um, in all of the things that I've been and done. And all of those experiences, including being raised in a cult and finding my freedom, like all of those culminate to this really special, unique, um, perspective that I bring as a life coach and she just helped me to like okay don't compare myself to other people that might have these you know college degrees and these plaques hanging on their wall like mine is different I have a different approach so I went to the the interview and decided you know I'm just gonna be me I'm gonna be honest and I'm just gonna share what I have to share and that's it. Like, I can't make something up. I can't bring something to the table that I don't bring to the table. So I went there and it was interesting because in he, we did two four-minute segments. And so in between the, the two segments, Gary Bandy was like, man, so like how long of this process was it from like finding a life coach in the beginning to help yourself to start processing your past and then like where you are now and like you being a life coach and starting your nonprofit stuff. And I said, it was four years. I said, and nobody talks about those in between years. Nobody talks about the years of healing. They'll, they'll mention it took this many years or whatever, but then they just breathe onto the successful part that we're all wanting to hear. The, the part that is inspiring and like, oh my God, you can do anything. It's empowering. But like, there was four years where, where <coughs> excuse me, there was four years where it wasn't, like there was nothing to, to see with your physical eye. I didn't have anything to like show people. It was a lot of pain, a lot of crying, a lot of tears, a lot of doubts, a lot of fears. A lot of times I was in a you know fetal position in my bathroom wondering if I should even keep living. Um, and and the, that journey of, I wouldn't say healing, I would say beginning my healing, was just shitty. And um, it, it made me, that very short conversation we had to go on to the next interview, made me start thinking about, you know, this is the thing. It's this in-between part that doesn't get discussed enough. I feel like there's so many success stories, but like 
And I've heard them, I've listened to many different podcasts of successful business people, and they'll say in the beginning, it took you know four years for me to do this, or it took seven years where I was floundering and trying to figure out this, but then I da 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 da. And it's like, then we get locked on the, but then, and we think that it's all people just being successful right and left, when there were years of what didn't look like success, I'll say that. Um, and I got home from that interview and I was thinking about it and I thought, you know what? A year ago, I went on to, to KSN to share my story for the first time. And then I come back on, they asked me back on a year later and I w didn't want to go on because I didn't feel like I had enough meat to produce and enough success stories and enough like, and now I'm making money and it's amazing and these people are seeking me out and I've done blah, 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 blah. You know, I like I said, I've done some things, but it's not been what I pictured it to be and it's definitely not um, what our culture would measure as success. And I haven't made any fucking money. So like, there's that. <laughs> so, um, I just felt like, oh my God, like why? Like I just, you know, it's, it, that felt like a, just a wasted year. Um, but then I started thinking about what I spent the last year doing. And even though I wasn't making money, I, I, I kind of just took some time to, to go back and think, well, what was I doing? And I remember like, I've been doing a lot of healing. I've been doing a lot of work on me. I've been building freedom for the taking from the inside out. And I didn't plan it that way. I was like, I will take the first year for self-care and self-love and gratitude and reflection. No, I plan to just take the world by storm and, and just empower everyone and just inspire everyone and just help the whole world. And that didn't come about. Instead, I spent a lot of time helping myself and a lot of time crying and a lot of time confused and frustrated and feeling like a failure, feeling like I wasn't going anywhere. Um, and after a year, I didn't feel like I had anything to show for it, but then I realized when I went for my first interview, I was so scared. I was scared to death and nervous as I'll get out. <clears throat> but this time, a year later when I went in, and I sat down and we started the conversation, the, the TV camera started rolling. I realized I felt really confident. I felt confident in who I am and who I'm becoming. And I was able to just have a conversation instead of like being so much in my head and being terrified to death and make and wondering, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? I just, I felt so much more relaxed, so much more accepting of being in my own skin and being who I am. And I realized, holy shit, I made some progress in a year. I actually healed some. I am more confident in myself than I was a year ago. And that to me was like, whoa, I did accomplish something. It's just not money and it didn't turn out to be helping the rest of the world, it was helping myself. And that, is the most important thing like starting with me and then moving out not empowering everybody else but being a um 
still stuck in my old ways and my old mindsets and, and, and my old pain. Like that's, what is that? Massive hypocrisy, right? So I was really encouraged actually. I was like, it just turns out that like, I was measuring success by the way that our culture tells us to measure it. And I'm trying to get away from all of these cultural norms, you know, in quotations, like that's, this is just what I've been taught is success. That doesn't mean it's true. And success is gonna look different for everybody, but I realized in the last year, for me, success was working on myself, taking the time to sit down with myself, be uncomfortable, ask myself hard questions, and then listen to what the answers were, and then make more changes that projected me towards the things that I desire. And none of those were fun. Like, turns out healing, it doesn't feel like healing. It doesn't feel like what we would imagine it to heal like. It doesn't feel magical. It doesn't feel amazing. You know how you watch those, those you know, um, animations where like, and then she has a cut and this, this healer came and shing, and then it's healed. And we imagine this shing, at least I do. The shing and there's a few sparkles maybe and then boom, it's healed. It was like, oh, wow. No, that's not what healing feels like. It feels shitty, it feels complicated, it feels slow, it sucks, it's convenient, it drags on and on and on and it feels like we're making no progress. That's what healing feels like. Welcome to healing. And there's no easy answers. There's no quick fixes. It's literally just this frustrating process and this daily decision to continue choosing the things that will give us the lives that we want. Continue choosing to make the changes, continue choosing to ask the hard questions, continue choosing to love ourselves and embrace who we are and not be ashamed and um, reach for the things we really desire. <sighs> saying, saying no to guilt. All those things, they're just hard. And so what I decided after the interview, I was thinking about it. I went biking on my, on my bike to type journey and I was just processing all of it. And I thought, you know what? I've, I feel like if I wait till I'm wildly successful in the eyes of the world and I'm making money and I'm like doing all these things that our, my, our culture has told us is successful and you know, the, all the signs of, of, of really um, making it, whatever that means. Um, if I wait to celebrate until that, I don't even know how long I'll be waiting. Only God knows. Really, seriously, like, I mean, I, I say only God knows, which I don't believe in God, so I'm kind of being sarcastic, but that's the thing. Like, we don't know. And so I thought, I might be waiting to celebrate for 20 years. I don't know. I might never celebrate. I, that might never be what I achieve. So instead of going by our culture's definitions of success, I'm going to go by what feels right to me and realizing that I, ha I felt more confident 
and safe in my own skin for that interview a year later, that was success to me. That means I have been doing the hard shit work to continue my healing and I'm gonna celebrate that. So I came home that night, I was like, we're celebrating. Freedom for the taking is having a party. We're gonna order pizza, which we have never done since um, Willie, we've changed all of our diet with uh, my family being diagnosed with autoimmune disease. So I realized that I'm gonna order pizza. We will find a place as gluten-free pizza, make it as healthy as possible, and fucking order pizza so we can celebrate. And my kids were ecstatic. My partners were ecstatic. I was excited. We're like, oh my God, we don't have to cook dinner. This is gonna be so much fun. So we had a pizza party and I shared the blog that I wrote that day um, and just talked about like how I measure success and just really wanting to celebrate my healing, um, my healing journey, not my healing because that makes it sound like it's done, right? So it was a lot of fun, but I, I've been thinking a lot about the healing part, just like I want to talk about that because I feel like there's a lot that's out there on how to be successful and, and, and successful people that like Oprah Winfrey that didn't grow up, you know, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They didn't grow up, you know, um, privileged, you know, she had a really difficult beginning. Um, but now she's this, you know, multi-billionaire, but it's easy to just skip over all of those really hard years at the beginning. Um, so I thought, I, I really feel like I'm still in this space of like, I'm not successful, you know, in the eyes of, of our culture. And I don't have anything to show for it in the ways of, of um, money and, and recognition, but I'm in this blah space, you know? It doesn't feel great, but it's an important space. It's fucking important. You don't get to this without this, you know? I don't know, maybe there's there are those people that are born into really rich families, but I don't think um, that doesn't mean they're they become like hugely successful. That just means they have a lot of money because their parents do, right? So like this 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 blah area is really important to for growth and and building and rebuilding and what and healing to be able to get to this uh, beautiful flower, kind of like you know we see these beautiful flowers and we're like, oh my gosh, we can appreciate this beautiful flower, but nobody thinks about when it was a seed in the dirt and the rocks, mind you, if you live in Missouri, okay, tons of rocks, that that poor seed had to break open and, and work its way through the rocks and through the dirt and through all the other crap to break through the soil and then continue to grow, reach out to the sun, bring, you know, bring in the nutrients of the air and the sun and, and water and continue all that growth even before it flowers. There's a lot of growth that happens. So it's just that space of being like the seed in the ground and I'm working my way through the shit. You know, the fertilizer, which what is fertilizer? It's manure, people, it's poop. The seed's working its way through rocks and poop. Okay, that's where I feel like I'm at. And I want to talk about that because so many people share their stories when they're wildly successful, that's when it gets aired and that's when we all hear about it. But we don't hear from those people 
when they're just the seed growing through the rocky, poopy soil. So here I am. All right, it took a long time to get to what I wanted, what I ran to read you guys. I went online and I was like, I want to do some research on healing. And just because I think that there's a lot of misconceptions about what it means to heal and the healing journey and all that stuff. And so I was like, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I want to do some research on our physical bodies. How do our physical bodies heal? Just like, let's go back to ground zero because it's kind of hard to pinpoint healing in people's, you know, mental and spiritual um, journeys. So, but it's easier, it's easier to kind of nail things down on our physical body. So let me learn about that. So I pulled it up and I was going to put this in my own words. I started to, but then I realized I actually can't explain it as well as the doctor's website. Surprising. Surprise. So I just copy and pasted and in the, in the, in my uh, show notes, I will put the link so you can go read all of the, everything I'm fixing to read you if you want. Um, this article, it's not very long. It's just the basic steps of healing, right? There's four basic steps. And I, I want to make sure that I um, highlight the fact that these are the basic steps because it really, it's not this simple, but this is the easiest way to break it down, okay? There's a lot of different variations and a lot of different things that can complicate it. So this is from hopkinsmedicine.org, okay? Number one, stopping the bleeding, which is called, I know, I'm probably going to say this wrong, hemostasis, whatever. Whatever that is, it just means stopping the bleeding, okay? So let me read this to you. When your skin is cut, scraped, or punctured, you usually start to bleed. Okay, we all know that. Within minutes or even seconds, blood cells start to clump together and clot, protecting the wound and preventing further blood loss. These clots, which turn into scabs as they dry, are created by a type of blood cell called a platelet. The clot also contains a protein called fibrin, which forms a net to hold the clot in place. Cool, huh? Okay, so we know that. We start bleeding and then our blood clots up. And I just, I find it fascinating learning about the specifics of it. You know, like, what is that? It's this protein called fibrin, forms a net, holds the cotton place. That's awesome. Our bodies are doing this without us even thinking about it, right? That, like, that's cool. Number two, inflammation. I know that like surprised me too. I was like, wait, inflammation's a part of the healing process? I kind of knew that, but it just kind of slapped me. Like, well, crap. You know, inflammation, that causes a lot of problems in our bodies, but it's also part of the healing process, okay? Once the wound is closed with a clot, the blood vessels can open a bit to allow fresh nutrients and oxygen into the wound for healing. Side note, listener, I didn't know like I knew things swelled up after you got injured, you know, as, as a way of your body trying to like protect you, protect itself and heal or whatever. But I didn't understand like that's what was happening. The blood vessels opening up to allow fresh nutrients and oxygen into the wound for healing. What? Okay, my mind is blown. Blood-borne oxygen is essential for healing. The right balance of oxygen is also important. Too much or too little, and the wound won't heal correctly. Another type of blood, oops, sorry, turning the page. Another type of blood cell, a white blood cell called a macrophage, 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 whatever, something like that, takes on the role 
of wound protector. So then you have the white blood, cell, white blood cells that are coming in, taking on the role of wound protector. These, this cell fights infection and oversees the repair process. How cool is that? You might see some clear fluid on or around the cut at this time. That is helping clean out the wound. We've all seen that pus, you know? Microphages, which is the white blood cells, also produce chemical messengers called growth factors, which help repair the wound. What? I'm, I'm, I'm more intrigued every sentence I read, okay? Number three, growth and rebuilding. Blood cells, including oxygen-rich red blood cells, arrive to help build new tissue. Okay, so we've cut ourselves, they've clotted it up, the white blood cells come in, they, they in, help to start um, repairing the wound and the, the, um, uh, the blood vessels open up, which is the inflammation, which is, allows more oxygen, like all this happening, and now's the time for the rebuilding. So more blood cells come in. These are the oxygen-rich red blood cells. They're there to build new tissue. Now they're like, okay, we've stopped the bleeding. We've, we've um, brought more oxygen in and nutrients and cleaned out the wound, and now we're gonna rebuild it. Chemical signals instruct cells to create collagen, which serves as a type of scaffolding and other tissues to begin the repair process. So they're creating this scaffolding so that other tissues can come in and start, I don't, I, that to me is like, oh my God, it's so much like building a house. You have the scaffolding and then you start putting the stuff on the scaffolding, the, putting the drywall up and all that to build and rebuild. Occasionally, you see the result of this process as a scar that starts out red and eventually dulls. Keep that in mind, all right? Now, number four, last one. <clears throat> strengthening okay so now we've been growing and rebuilding now it's the strengthening part over time the new tissue gets stronger you might notice stretching itching and even puckering of the wound as it happens we've all experienced that <clears throat> excuse me within three months the wound is almost as strong in its repair as it was before the trauma the entire healing process, though, you guys, listen, the entire healing process might take a couple of years to complete. We're just talking about a little wound here, okay? I'm talking about someone chopping off their leg. Might take a couple of years to complete. Now, you might think that was the end of the article, but it wasn't. You look down, there's the four basic steps, and you see interrupted healing. And I'm like, fuck, what's this? Here's what it says. The process seems simple enough, but wound healing is actually quite complicated and involves a long series of chemical signals. Certain factors can slow or prevent healing entirely. One of the most dramatic factors is reduced or inadequate blood supply to the wound. The oxygen and nutrients that new blood carries to the wound are essential to successful healing. A wound that is not getting enough blood could take at least twice as long to heal if it heals at all. Yikes. 
by some estimates, as many as 6.5 million people in the United States suffer with wounds that are not healing well. This is just physical wounds we're talking about people. 6.5 million people. These are called chronic wounds, which are more common in elderly people or people with diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, or other vascular disease. Okay. <clears throat> Not the end of the article yet. Almost. When do I reach out? If you have a wound that is not healing in a reasonable time frame, make an appointment with your healthcare provider. If your injury seems to be getting worse or appears infected, that is, if it is more swollen, hot to touch, painful, or oozing pus, see a healthcare provider right away. That might be, I might, you know, during that last section, you're like, well, duh. That, of course, that makes sense. But, Let's think about all of these factors in the way of our healing journey from our trauma of our lives. Let's, what if we applied all of these things to all of the shit we've gone through in our lives up till now, all the experiences we've had and trying to heal and grow? Like, what if we thought about it in that way instead of thinking, oh, you know, I've had this childhood trauma or I've had this experience and, and so now I have to figure out what the XYZ is so I can be healed and move on. Like our physical, the process of our physical body's healing to me is a very clear example and a very clear, um, the, the facts are clear. Healing is complicated. It's very specific and it doesn't always work and there's lots of things that can put us back so i thought what can i learn from this what can i learn what can i learn and, and apply to my own personal healing journey so i just started typing out looking back i went back and i just read over that article and started typing out all of these things that stuck out to me and I, it was it was really cool it actually was for me it felt um uh, what's the word when you when you feel like you um, not not been empowered but anyways it, in, enlightened that's what I'm looking for it was very enlightening because I'm tempted to be very frustrated with my healing process I'm tempted to be very um, hard on myself and like I should be over this by now I should have healed by now why am I continuing to work on this? Like, what is my fucking problem? So this was enlightening to me and it was like, oh, oh, okay. Okay, here's some of the things. I'm gonna read them out. This is what I, I typed out of what kind of I learned and got out of this. You must have all the right components to start the process. For example, enough blood. If you don't have enough blood, you can't even start the healing process in your physical body so if we don't have enough whatever it is for me it's like enough energy enough support enough safety enough information I can't even start the healing process I can want it all day long but I can't even start it like there are real components that have to be in place for me to start healing 
from some of my trauma, right? Here's another one. It takes a very specific balance of all the different factors for us to heal correctly. For example, not too much or not too little oxygen. Like it's the, you have to have the right balance. So it's not this, oh, if I just have X amount of friends and a therapist, then I can start this. Like it, no, it's, it's a really specific balance and we have to be really intentional. We can't just jerry-rig our healing. We have to be very intentional to have all the right balance of all the right components, which is fucking hard. And you know, finding that balance, let me just tell you, it's not, there's no, um, <clears throat> there's no, uh, uh, gosh, I have such a hard time finding words sometimes, but there's, there's no written formula. There's no written formula of here's all the things you need to have. This, one therapist, two friends, you know, to, for five years of trauma, it needs to be two, three friends and two therapists for 10 years of trauma. Like, there's no formula. How do we find the balance? We just start and we flounder our fucking way through it as we find the balance. It's like, how do you ride a unicycle? You could read a formula all day long, but at some point you have to get on the unicycle and fall off a million times till you start finding the balance. So just, I mean, that's annoying and can be super discouraging, but it's just the way it is. Like that's how we, that's how we learn. <clears throat> it doesn't, healing doesn't look pretty. Let's remember what's it, you know, our physical body, what's healing look like? It looks like scabs, oozing fluids, inflammation. None of it looks pretty, you know, black and blue. Nope. I have never seen a wound healing that I've been like, that is absolutely stunning. That is a stunning wound. <laughs> I never, never said that. Said no one ever, right? Um, trauma doesn't heal and disappear. I.e. we have scars. Like that's the truth in our physical bodies. That's the truth in our, in our lives also. Like it doesn't, things don't go away. They don't disappear. We can heal, yes and even be stronger, but we, they don't go away. Uh, healing can be fucking uncomfortable. I was reading that part about the stretching, the itching, the puckering of the wound. I was like, oh my God. That's why I say healing doesn't feel like healing because in our mind, healing is this beautiful word and we're like, oh, she's healing or I can't wait to heal or I've healed. All those things sound so pretty, but they, they don't feel pretty. And they certainly don't look pretty. And the, you know, we all have experienced those wounds that once they start healing, you're like, and you wanna itch them so bad. And then sometimes, I, you know, as a kid, you itch them and you pick the scab. What's our mom's like, don't pick your scabs. My wounds would get so itchy. And as a little girl, I had scabs all over my legs. I played outside all the time. I was climbing trees. So I was always scraping myself up. Always, always had scabs. I was like this scabby child. And they were always itching. So I was always itching them. And then they bleed. So they had scabby, bloody legs. I mean, it doesn't sound beautiful. And it wasn't. But I just ran around. I didn't care. Um, but I, it, it was hard for me to let my scabs heal. Because they were itching and annoying. So that's the other thing of like allowing our bodies to have enough time to heal without getting frustrated and, and picking the scabs while they're itching like crazy. 
Uh, let's see. It takes a long time. Healing takes a long time. Okay. I recently went to the hand doctor because my, I had a hand injury. It happened about, um, gosh, a year and a half ago. Was it a year and a half ago? Over a year and a half ago? It was over a year and a half ago. Anyways, I fell off Zell. This is right after I got her. So yeah, it would have been like two and a half, two years ago. Um, I, I fell off her and when I fell, cause she spooked really bad. I was riding an arena and a leaf blew underneath of her and it just scared the fuck out of her. And horses, by the way, get scared when something goes underneath them because they can't see it. So they hear a noise, it's underneath of them. For all they know, it's a little lion crouching up that's gonna attack their underside belly, which can happen, and that's where they rip open their intestines. So it's very dangerous, the horse is scared. They, she heard the noise, she spooked, I flew off the other side and her reins got caught in my fingers just for a half a second, it wasn't super long. Long enough to rip this pinky and this um, pointer finger in my right hand, pinky left, pointer in my right hand, and pull them enough that it tore the ligaments, okay? Strained them really bad. I had went to the doctor, I thought, oh, they're not broken, they're fine. And it was still hurting after four months. I went to the doctor initially. They told me there's nothing to do. I'm like, the ligament will heal itself. You just have to give it time. And the doctor told me it's going to take about a year. And every time I bumped it, I would, I would bring me to tears. It was so painful. But after a year, it felt better. And I, it stopped hurting. Well, about four or five months ago, um, I think it was during our hay season when I was moving a lot of hay bales. I re-injured it somehow. I don't remember a specific moment. I just remember it started to hurt again and it swelled up. So I recently went back to the hand doctor. They uh, ordered an MRI. I had an MRI done and they didn't see anything. They're like, the ligament's still attached. They were concerned it had detached. Like it's still attached, but um, you just re-injured it. And, you know, um, so basically it put me back at block level one like put me back at, at level one and my healing process had to start over again and I was like I asked the doctor this last time I'm like so what is this how long is this going to take it's been a long time is this always going to hurt me for the rest of my life he said no but but these things can take up ligaments can take up to two years to heal because he said they have to fill in. You can have like a bunch of micro ripping inside the ligament every time you bump it really hard. And then it has to come and have time to fill in all of that. And eventually he said it will fill in and scar up in that area and then it will be fine. It'll be tough and strong again. Um, but he said it can expect it to take two years. And if you just heard it five months ago, it could be another year and a half. And I was frustrated, but I also was like, okay, like just settle in. It's gonna be a long time. Having that information helped me to stop like being so frustrated because I realized, just calm down, Abigail. It's gonna be a long haul, a long haul. Just try to take care of it, but see, it's still swollen and I still have to be careful with it. Uh, so, I know there's a long story, but healing takes a long time. And it's not, there's no specific time frame for our healing. And I think it's truly is a continual thing. Here's something else, okay? Other life issues or experiences or things out of our control can interrupt the healing process. Reading that part of the article just blew my mind because I was like, fuck, that's the thing. 
we can make a lot of progress, but then our healing can get interrupted and it can even get bumped back like my hand to where I'm back to stupid square one. And I'm gonna start over again, you know? Um, but there's things out of our control that interrupt the healing process. That's just the truth of it. Life goes on and more shit stuff happens, right? That interrupts it, that makes it take longer. If we are in circumstances that compromise our well-being, it can feel impossible to heal because our bodies are already in survival um, mode. And that's what I thought about when I read the part of chronic wounds, people with chronic wounds. When, and the, the people that, the, the vast majority of the people with chronic wounds are the ones where their immune system's already compromised, right? So they have a hard time, their body can't do all of the healing properly because it's already compromised. It's already in survival mode. It's already having issues. So if we're in situations where we're just living, fucking surviving, trying to make it from hour to hour, from day to day, and we don't have the support we need, and we don't have the space we need to take time for ourselves, how do we expect ourselves to be able to heal? It's, it's asking too much. We're gonna end up with chronic wounds. And sometimes we, we have stages of life where we just are in that space of, we have chronic wounds right now because we don't even have the resources that we need to heal and get out of survival mode so that we can heal, right? First, we have to get out of survival mode to begin the healing. Remember, it takes all these components in a very specific way to be able to heal our bodies. So we have to be, we have to be up to par. Like we have to be in condition for that. A person playing sports doesn't just get up off the couch and join, you know, uh, a, a USA national soccer league. They don't, they take a lot of training. They have to be at their prime, right? really ready for the game. And I think that's how it is for healing too. Like we have to be capable in a space even mentally of, of taking on the challenge, right? Uh, okay. And the last one I wrote here was, it's important to reach out when things do not seem to be getting better. Sometimes we care for, sometimes we can care for our own wounds. But there are times that it's really important to get professional help. And that last part when I read that about, you know, like if your wound's not healing in a reasonable time frame, make an appointment with your healthcare provider. It seems so simple for our physical bodies, but when it comes to healing mentally, emotionally, spiritually, all of that, it's like I can write myself off. Like, no, I don't have time, or I don't have money, I don't have resources. And some of us don't, in all honesty have the time, the money, or the resources for professional. But that doesn't mean we don't need it, you know? And so I think it's important to recognize that there are wounds that we truly cannot heal on our own, that we will need professional help. And sometimes we, we, we have to kind of put those off if we don't have the resources. We have to maybe, maybe you know, put those in layaway until we have the resources to pull those out and get the help, the professional help that we need. Um, and, and that's shitty because, you know, it, I think everybody deserves to have that, but it's just not the way life works. You know, it takes money and people that have that ability to help us dig into those really dark areas. They have to go to school for it. 
they're in a buttload of, of debt themselves, you know, to have that um, type of professional um, guidance. So anyways, I just, I want us to recognize that. That's important to recognize. And so for me, you know, right now, like I try to work on the things that I can work on. And I try to unwrap and unpackage the things that I can work on myself. Um, but I honestly, like my goal is to be able to, you know, and I, I have in the past seen professional help, but I, my goal is to work towards um, getting in a place where I financially can, you know, get more professional help for some of the things that I can't work out on my own. So that's, that's my goal. And that's the reality of it, you know? So, um, I, I, I want to end with just encouraging everybody to rethink your idea of success. Um, don't give up on your dreams. I'm not saying that, that having this idea of, of a successful, um, business or, you know, successful uh, hobby or whatever it is, whatever your dreams are, don't give up on that, but also recognize that every day, every day, the choices you're making to move towards those dreams, like those are, those steps are worth celebrating. And, and the, the healing that has to happen in, in the years of the going through what feels like blah, what feels like not progress, what's hard, what's uncomfortable, what's not pretty, it's itchy and it's stretching and it's oozing and it's uncomfortable and it's in flames, like those years are important years. You don't get to the healing without those. That is the healing. You don't get the, the healed wound, I should say, without all of that. So in the middle of all that, like I want you to think about what I read to you today from that article. And I encourage you just maybe go read it and think about how does this apply to my actual life, like my healing journey, because it gave me a lot of compassion for myself. And I felt like, okay, like, it's not pretty. It doesn't feel good. It's uncomfortable. It's annoying. It takes a long time. But that's how we heal. And yes, we have setbacks. And we have times that we don't have the resources we need. And we have times that things get out of balance. And we have to see a professional and all of this stuff. Like, that's all an integral part of the process. And we need every one of those steps every one of those steps has to be in place and we have to go through them to get to this okay so rethink what success is you're working hard every day you're healing every day that is worth celebrating you are worth celebrating i love you guys healing sucks it, it's hard it's Sometimes it's, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's like, oh, you know, we, you know, look at you, look at all this progress, you know, you've healed. And it's like, it wasn't always a choice. It's like when you hurt yourself, you know, you don't choose to be like, I will now heal myself. But you have, you have, your body goes into this. It takes over for you. It's like, we need to heal. We're going to do all this stuff in order to get to this spot. It didn't choose to get hurt, but it did choose to come in and heal. And we didn't get to choose the things that hurt us, 
um, we wouldn't have chosen them? Hell no. But it happened. And so here we are with all these wounds, some of them very deep, some of them really painful. Some of them we wonder, like, am I ever going to move from the chronic wound to actually healing? But I promise you that, like, it's already happening. It's happening. It's slow. It doesn't feel good. It's okay if it's a, it's a back and forth thing. It's not, a, it's not a linear thing. You can't just plan it out. But hang in there because you're probably already healing more than you even realized. And one day you're going to turn around and be like me at that interview, which was, you know, where I went, oh, look at, look at me. I feel more confident in my own skin. Like that's progress. You're going to have those moments in your journey that you get to actually feel it for a minute, for a second, maybe even just a millisecond where you feel, wait, I am getting better. I am getting better. Um, so I encourage you to just be compassionate with yourself. Understand it's a shitty long process and don't, don't quit because it's also worth it. It's also worth it, you guys. It really is because you know, what's our choice to just stay bleeding our whole life? I don't, I don't want to stay in that. I want to be a thriving human on this planet to the best that I can be. And I know you guys do too. So hold on tight. Hang in there. I'm with you. Sending you all of my love and all of the healing vibes I can muster up. I'm sending your way and please send them my way because God knows I don't want to get that fever thing again. And I hope my girls can bounce back a lot quicker this time than last time. So speaking of healing, I got to go back inside and check on my girls. I love you guys. I will see you next week. And we're just going to keep going. We're just going to keep one step at a time, whatever that looks like, even if it looks like a really muddy corral. We're going to, we'll find our way through it. Love you. Peace out. If I wrote it in a song, would you believe in more? If I busted out the lock, would you open the door? If I dare to speak my truth, would you still value me? If I reached my hand to you, would you reach yours back to me? To the open air and claim your freedom waiting there.